0: Welcome to Fruit Bowl.
1: An oral history of queer sex.
0: Masculine tops.
1: Power bottoms.
0: Butch girls, femme boys. heirs, otters, unicorns.
1: There's no shortage of labels that queer people use to describe different sexual identities and preferences.
0: But how do we navigate that horny, thorny path between realizing we're queer and deciding which boxes to check when filling out our dating profiles? Fruit Bowl features first-person stories that explore the unique ways we develop our sexual identities by sharing the sometimes messy, always fascinating, real-life sex histories of queer people.
1: Our first introduction to sex, the embarrassing moments we'd like to forget, and the reliable bedroom moves that we've discovered along the way. Basically, all the stuff we wish we'd known when we first came out.
0: Interviews are edited for clarity and brevity because we all know how much we love to talk about ourselves. Thanks for listening. Let's begin. Welcome to Fruit Bowl, an oral history of queer sex. I'm your host, Dave, and with me today is my guest, Micah. Hello, Micah. Hi, David. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Thank you for joining us today. And I'm going to help introduce you by also asking you our lunchtime poll for this episode. And I've decided that today's lunchtime poll is, what is your personal lubricant
2: preference? Um, I have multiple. It's silicone for barebacking and masturbating. Okay. I've got... Barebacking for both roles? Uh, yeah, I just Mm -hmm. like the way it feels, but then you can't use silicone on sex toys. Mm. So I've got boy butter. Okay. And it's, there's a little bit in there. The rest is like coconut cream and uh, water-based. Yeah. So otherwise your toys will fall apart as Uh, I've learned.
0: Oh, silicone has an effect on the
2: actual. Yeah. It binds to itself. And so it it gets tacky and eventually they'll degrade. That's a good pro tip. Yeah. (laughs) And then water-based for uh, the prudes that don't like silicone. (laughs) Sometimes it will mess with the pores and stuff, and if you're prone to ingrown hairs, which I am, some of them. Silicone uh, irritates them? Yeah, because the molecules are so small, they get inside your pores, and it's...
0: Wow, you really have gone deep into (laughs) the science here. I'm impressed. (laughs) You know what? This is reminding me of, like, my old school, like college days where i would meet stoners and they wouldn't know anything (laughs) except for the except for when they would talk about weed and Mm -hmm. the specific health benefits of it and the effects of different strains Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) i love people who go deep in in certain parts of knowledge um but i actually didn't know
2: that about silicone so you've you've educated me today gun oil it's i have a problem with yeah. But I have Millennium right now and it seems fine. Gun Oil silicone is just, it's its not your jam. No. And Something about it. The guys at Doghouse told me not to get it and then I got it and then I got Ingrown Hairs. Oh, wow. Yeah. I've used Gun Oil some. That's that's like my
0: second favorite brand. I like ID probably as my, I like water-based. Yeah. But that's just my preference. It's really, t- it's too tacky for me.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm. I like the cleanup, how easy it is. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I probably still have silicone lube in my crotch right now Uh, (laughs) from yesterday. Because you never know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for educating me. Mm -hmm, I feel like mm -hmm. we've all learned something today. You can tell us your preferred lubricant if you want to tweet us at FruitBowlPod.com. On Twitter. That's our Twitter account. So let me know your answers for that question and I'll post all of the answers on our Patreon page. Now we're going to listen to Mike's interview. And you actually know Mikey. I do know Mikey. So, some. Right. That's <laughs> just because Seattle's a small town. Also, like for this first round of interviews, I was uh, reaching out to people I knew and then also people who would refer me to others. That's kind of how we met. Mm-hmm. Um, through a mutual friend when I was conducting interviews a year ago. So yeah, we're going to listen to Mikey's interview. He is originally from Kansas. So we have that in common and, uh, I love his, his Kansas stories cause I can definitely identify <laughs> them. And, uh, yeah, when we come back, we'll talk some more about Mikey's interview. Here we go.
3: My name is Mike. I am 33 years old and I am originally from Kansas. First time I ever heard about sex, I was watching the Golden Girls and Three's Company. (laughs) Like, my parents didn't talk about sex. Like, they would drink and have fun and be loud and boisterous and all that, but there was, like, really no sex talk. And I was Catholic, so I went to Catholic school, like, K-12, through so our sex ed was more just about, like, I think abortion than anything else. (laughs) Um, We only had antenna television and like five channels. I feel like Three's Company was the earlier one. Golden Girls had reruns for so long, I watched it for a while, but Three's Company I was really little in, and I didn't even really get the Jack dynamic at all. I thought there were just more him chasing around flirting with the women and, and those vague clues to sex, most of which I didn't even get at the time. So I'd have to like bear crawl out the hallway quietly when the, my older brothers were watching it to absorb some. Dirty sex out of Golden Girls (laughs) or Three's Company. (laughs) Which, yeah, and just the playful, fun, intimate connection part of it is something being very desirable to do and Blanche's whole attitude about it of, hey, the most fun, interesting person there is also the one that gets the most sex. Like, hmm. Mm. I think Men's Health was like my early porn magazine. And there's no mechanics of sex in there. It's just beautiful male bodies. I remember I was in the eighth grade and we were graduating from our Catholic grade school. And for a celebration, they took a lot of us to a Holiday Inn with one male chaperone. And he was the this edgy new kid in our class. We had like 22 people, his father. And he rented a porn. For this group of like 12 boys graduating from the eighth grade and we all watched it as a group (laughs) and that was mind-blowing for me it was a very vivid porn um and watching it and just going to tension the room as all you're laughing and goofy at first and all of a sudden it's just teenage boys breathing heavily and trying not to get boners (laughs) and i was more distracted with the room than i was what was going on screen For years later, I could remember the names of the different female porn actors because they were all over-the-top, ridiculous, Bond-type of girls with really, like, you know, a lot of pussy kind of names. And there was not much plot. It was almost all just, like, penetration shots and giant fake breasts. Oh, my first time. I tried first time with a woman in college, and that uh, did not go well. <laughs> I, I just could not get hard for anything. <laughs> and I tried like 10 different ways, and eventually you blame it on like that one whiskey drink you had and never do it again. <laughs> um, and then here, I was moving into Seattle, where I had first time with a guy. Um, that was when we moved up here. It's like 24, I think. Uh, He's a friend of my brother. Yeah, okay. so I moved up here and I lived with my brother for the first couple of years. Also gay. It was fun. We were over at his place. Um I just went out for a day of fun, and I knew I wanted it. I wanted it so bad. It had been years of thinking about having sex with a guy, and to finally be in the room, moved up to Seattle where I'm out and around another gay man and get to do it. So... um into his room and just dropped to my knees and went to town so he was actually caught off guard he's like whoa, whoa okay, okay i think he was thinking oh this new young kid's gonna take some some finagling but i was way ahead of him <laughs> <laughs> no we went to the full menu but it was not uh, <laughs> i i tried to bottom and it was just not at all what i expected at especially for the first time, I was like, this hurts, this is uncomfortable. All of a sudden, it had to make me, I swear, every time a dick came near my ass, I thought I had to pee really bad. I was like, wait, I'm going to pee, I'm going to pee on you. And I ran out. And looking back, it makes me laugh that that was my sensation, that I thought I was going to pee on somebody. Because <laughs> I've had that sensation since then. But was so the overwhelming concern my first time is that I was going to pee on him. ¶¶ So I hooked up with this one guy, and I'm on my way over to his place, and he texts me. There's gonna be a second guy there, which is surprising, and I know he's a little bit into feet. So, but I'm like, okay, it's not my fetish, but I can go along with that. But then I get there, and it just spirals it went way beyond where I thought it was. So at one point. I'm sitting in this chair and there's these two guys and both of them are, are sucking on my feet and just talking like really rapidly about, yeah, here's the scenario and I'm the coach and here this, and they're just getting really into it and they're talking and they're, they're sucking on my feet and sucking on my toes. And then he goes into his closet and brings out some really dirty giant gym socks and he wants to put those on me. So he's putting these really dirty socks on me and I'm kind of starting to get really weird out. And then they're sucking like the dry cotton of these dirty like stained socks. And at this point I'm completely soft. Like I've lost everything. I've on alarm mode. And then it gets really weird. He takes a big drink of water and he gives a glass to the other guy to take a big drink of water. And he lowers his mouth over my <laughs> socked foot and like releases the water, and it's like draining down on my foot. And then they're both like sucking the dirty gym sock water out. (laughs) And I'm like fully frozen and not knowing what to do. So after like 15 minutes of trying to, internally panicking, I just get up and I like run out of there and I can't do it. And so I'm in like wet, squishy socks, like running out of this house, slipping and not knowing what to do. And they're panicked and they don't know what to do. Why is this guy running? And I thought it would be like like a small portion. And then there would be normal sex involved. But that seemed like this was the full game for them. They, I mean, they weren't even hard. They, they were just, they just wanted some dirty sock feet worship. And I realized, like, there's no actual sex that's going to happen here. This is just sock play. <laughs> and the worst single sensation I can imagine is wet socks. I hate, I hate wet socks. Like when you're walking around the kitchen, the bathroom, you step in wetness in the morning. It's just wah wah. But I think for me the embarrassing part was just that I couldn't, they were into it. They were together in that scene and I had to break apart and I didn't, just my running and the wet socks and slipping and the whole thing was just, <laughs> <it> was terrible. <laughs> yeah, I peeled them off as I was running out the door. I didn't give them an explanation, I just hit it. And then I went and uh, sat in my car for a minute and I was like leaning my head on the steering wheel trying to think about like, what just happened? <laughs> Did you get One thing that always works, and I love it, is lay down, I'm gonna sit on your face, and smother you in my ass. I don't care if the guy's a total top, bottom, wherever he is, guys like to be dominated a little bit and told what to do. And for some reason, that one, it takes you out of your mind space, no matter where you are, and you just have full control for a minute. They love it. Especially if they're having trouble, like, either they're getting in their head, or they're starting to get soft, like do that. And not only do you just sit on their face, but you tell them that is right where you belong, like deep in my ass, eating my hole, and their dicks are just like every single time. (laughs) (laughs) And then I can use them however I want (laughs) to. I can ass, balls, dick, like tell them exactly how I'm using them and they just have to sit there and take it till I'm done with them. Guys have subtle body language usually. It's just like maybe a turn away, or I can tell they're trying to like aim their face back at my balls. And then I'll, it's a subtle body movement, and I'll go back to give them the balls. You don't have to eat my ass if you don't want to.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, first of all, I'd tell myself to come out a lot younger. <laughs> I missed a lot of years of good sex. Um, so I'm trying to think if I took out that part of the equation, just in general, what to tell myself about sex, um, I would say it's to explore more. I think I felt, um, maybe nervous about kinks for too long and thinking, oh, that's a weird thing. Ooh, that's gross. Oh, I wouldn't want to do that. And, um... Those are all fun things. Even if it's not your kink and it's not your fetish, like if it's somebody else's kink, watching them get into it and really enjoy it, it's a blast. So I just tell myself to to open up more uh, to whatever other people's pleasure is. I don't know, even the little ones, like spitting. Someone wants to spit in your mouth, I would think that was really disgusting, but now if the guy's into it, he's fucking all of a sudden he spits in your mouth, you're like, wow. Just the expression, I completely I'm dominating your body at this point enough where you're an object, I can spit in your mouth. Um, there's a hotness to that if, if you can put it in the right mental space.
0: And we're back. With me again is Micah. What did you think of Mikey's interview? I loved it. Well,
2: I, I love Mikey.
0: Yeah, nice to get insight from him. He's, yeah. he's definitely somebody who knows his way around the bedroom.
2: Yes, <laughs> and I'm a little jealous of his radio voice, yes. quote-unquote. So smooth. Just He his, does have a sort of an announcer voice. His flow of confidence was really making me feel like I was lacking. <laughs> <laughs> Remembering my interview. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't be
0: so hard on yourself. I feel like you have a certain amount of authority. and He's great.
2: He's an orator. Like, his yeah. story was... It's very well told. I'm sure he's had practice. I, he told me that story in a separate occasion. <laughs> the sock footage, the the sock footage, mm-hmm. the, the, sock <laughs> footage. <laughs> the sock fetish.
0: It's a footage fetish. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, That is a good story. Um, and I think that it brings up a lot of valuable insight as to what to do when you do engage in a fetish community. You have to sort of Think about what your level of engagement is going to be, um, especially with people who are more into the fetish than you
2: are. Mm-hmm. That's something that I think about. Do you Do you think about that? Well, there's a certain amount of trust, or I guess giving up, maybe. Yeah. The trust that you might need from a situation you would feel more comfortable in. Yeah. If it's not your thing,
0: mm-hmm. you 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 rely on them to guide you. There's in a, a leap of faith. Yes, and, and, a, and a trust. You, you have to know that this person's going to have your best interest in mind and not just be selfish. I feel like those guys are kind of being a little selfish in that they weren't, oh, yeah. they weren't really interested in Mikey's no. level of enjoyment. And yeah. maybe they almost got off on... Mm -hmm. the lack of consent in a way which makes me a little uncomfortable i don't know who knows what kind of conversations they had before that you know and and he mentioned that they did say that they were into the fetish before he went over he just didn't know the level at which they Mm -hmm. were gonna engage that whole
2: kink fetish yeah maybe they should have said sock fetish instead of foot
0: even if they said sock they would say like we're gonna it's not just about you wearing socks it's about us like servicing you also like maybe they could have gone into more specifics about the whole water thing. Cause I feel like that at that point is when Mikey was like, okay, this is going a step too far. Yeah. I I'm not into this and, and he wasn't even hard. So <laughs> I could see how that could not be very much fun for the, I guess you're the bottom in that scenario. You're kind of the one who is getting things done to you, mm. you know? And, and I don't know, it didn't sound very, Fun And I don't want to sound like I'm anti-kink. What I am is pro-information. And I can say that about most of the things I talk about on the podcast is that it's really in everyone's best interest to know what will or won't happen when you start an engagement. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you don't have to be, we're going to do this, 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 and this. But you got to know what's on the table and what is
2: not or is on the menu. Right. Well, you know, it's like everyone's dating profile. We, oh, I'm verse. I'm power bottom. Yeah. Um, first there's top, whatever. Short,
0: a lot of shorthand.
2: Yeah. I mean, they they probably said kink and sock fetish, but they didn't go much deeper than that. And I wish people would be more comfortable talking about douching. Yes. Like, there's a f- fucking schedule. Mm-hmm. Like, if you want to come over and fuck my butt, I'm going to give you the play-by-play Like I'm not done in the shower. It's going to be like 30 more minutes or whatever. It's like, (laughs) it almost seems like a a mood ruiner sometimes. Oh yeah. You want to talk about it? But it's like, you want to be in my butthole. Yeah. You better know what's going down.
0: Well also like, yeah, I need to prepare. Right. Like if it's going to be like, oh, I'm coming over in five minutes. You're like, okay. And you're
2: not going to fuck my butt personally. Pump
0: pump, pump the (laughs) brakes. Give me a moment to prepare. Yeah, Exactly. Um, even simple information like that is helpful (laughs) (laughs) yeah right i mean i guess people say top bottom and there is that shorthand but like with something like mikey's fetish scenario yeah i think it would have been to everyone's best interest to have their cards more on the table jason's story was similar i don't jason has this famous like uh balloon fetish story that's much very much like <laughs> Mikey's sock fetish in that they didn't realize the level to which their partner's fetish was going to take over the whole experience like right. it really was the focus and it was the sole purpose of the engagement like both both Mikey and Jason describe how the other person wasn't even hard and they didn't want to come like and I feel like, that level of of engagement and kink is something that i think a lot of people in the kink community assume that other people know about like that that the fact that they may or may not even climax during the whole scenario you know whereas people who are outside the kink community might just expect that well we might engage in this kink
2: but i'm going to definitely get off
0: that would scenario. be my
2: assumption if i was going into that
0: yeah but in neither one of those person's scenarios, that they that wasn't the case. Like, the other person didn't really have that expectation that, that the person visiting them would be climaxing. <laughs> Rude. Rude. <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe inform yeah. the person coming over that that <laughs> may happen. I, they probably think that if they tell people that, they won't come over.
2: Maybe. Maybe yeah. they're hoping for, like, Mikey could have been the one to just get a raging hard-on from a crusty, wet gym sock. Right. In which case, then, everyone would have been... And you've got one more on the team.
0: Yeah. Everyone would have had the most amazing time of their life. That's that's a really good point. You're right. I guess some people who don't know that they have a sock fetish might really think that that whole scenario <laughs> is, like, the best. So I bet they
2: got lucky now and then when they got a sock fetish recruit. <laughs> I'm glad that it happened to him, because I've got, now I've gotten to hear the story twice, and it was still as deeply entertaining both times. <laughs> it is pretty funny. <laughs>
0: um, what about his his TV shows that were his
2: early education, Golden Girls and Three's Company? I've seen more of Three's Company than I have seen of Golden Girls. Oh, wow. You haven't seen didn't...
0: every episode of Golden Girls?
2: <laughs> no. What's wrong with you? Get out of here. <laughs> I didn't realize that there was a uh, sex happening or like well, implied sex.
0: Yeah. I guess in golden girls. Well, I know because I'm a fan. Uh, Blanche is the horny one and Good. she loves to tell people about her hookups and how often she has <laughs> sex. So even though she doesn't go into detail and you never see her having sex, you know that she is a sexual person because she talks about it all the time. And, and having come from Kansas in the same place that Mikey's from, I can say with, with Assuredness that, yeah, open conversations about sex by people who are confident and love to talk about their exploits—that just does not happen in Kansas. Those people are not. um, Yeah, it's it's hard for people to open up and have conversations about sex. Um, And I mean, I know that that can be true of anyone from anywhere depending on your background and and maybe what kind of conversations your family had um when you were growing up like what, were were your parents very communicative about sex and did no, they have the talk
2: I felt like I was so in the dark Yeah like I got it from sex ed like we had pretty good sex ed in Seattle Yeah I imagine Mhm relative to Kansas maybe I'm sure
0: you did. Yeah, <laughs> I I don't know, but I can say with with pretty much 100% sure <laughs> assurance that you had better sex ed than me. Did did they go into any
2: queer information or was it all no? It's all straight. Okay, but but it's like here's the this is how you make a baby yeah. or get an STD. Okay, well, talk of S- STD I
0: think is
2: next level.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, was it meant to scare you or was it more informative?
2: Um, there was a scary moment. They brought in someone who had contracted HIV in the eighties and yeah. And so they were already probably like 60 or 70, probably 60 at the time. And then you just hear the story, but it was like, wow. Yeah. They were, well, it was this married couple and they were straight and then one of them cheated or something, or I don't know how they got it and Mm. then brought it back. It sounds like it was meant to kind of scare you. It goes back to information, do. I suppose, is maybe what they were trying to get across. Like, yeah, I no, I get Be that. honest with your partner. and mm-hmm.
0: But, I mean, you could have that conversation, and it doesn't have to be HIV-AIDS. It could also right. be Right. They gone, also didn't yeah.
2: look like they were doing well either, so it mm-hmm. kind of added to the, <laughs> yeah. to the scare factor here. Like, uh, oh. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. Do you wish
0: that you'd have had better conversations with adults about sex, or would it have been negligible the difference it had would have made i mean it's hard to to play it out in your mind
2: i feel like it would have made me feel really
0: awkward yeah of course which yeah <laughs> i mean that's that's why parents don't want to have the conversation right cuz it's awkward and weird and they don't want to feel uncomfortable or or appear like they don't know what they're talking about in front of their kids right
2: yeah well if you haven't raised your children in like a factual though you know caring manner And then you just start coming at them with facts because you turned, you know, 13 or whatever. That's where there's a little disparity in um, energy, I guess. Yes. Yes. That's a good point. Like, people whose
0: parents are having the talk probably talk about sex in other ways that's not as stigmatized. Another interview I have, Scott, his dad was very comfortable having the conversation And did it early on in Scott's life. I mean, at an appropriate time. Sure. But it clearly had an effect on his attitude about sex for the rest of his life. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, it'd be amazing if every parent could do that. And I get that it's a hard conversation to have and that maybe you don't have the right words to articulate it in the moment. But like, you know, maybe educate yourself or read a book on how to have your conversation (laughs) with your kid. (laughs) And don't let Golden Girls or Three's Company do the work for you.
2: Well, whatever. It was definitely working for Mikey. (laughs) However he got there, he got there. I do like that Blanche was his role model.
0: Because I can kind of see... Mikey as a blanche. Yeah. Sex positive. Absolutely. Adventurous.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to say that Kyle Chandler from Early Edition, did you ever see that show? Was that a new show? No, it's an old one. Before he did like Friday Night Lights <sighs> and whatever other stuff he's done. Yeah. He's always had a daddy vibe about him. Yes. But early edition is where when the there's this cat. And he, like, brings him a newspaper every morning, but it's the newspaper for the next day. So he basically gets to tell the future because of this early edition that this, like, ethereal cat is bringing him this paper. Uh. I didn't really get a lot of sex from TV shows because nobody talked to... Like, we didn't have the talk, you know, right? Yeah. So a lot of that stuff, like him and Blanche, was probably going over my head. So I think I was just, like subconsciously looking for like a good figure and he's just so handsome oh so but he's also like tough love like mm. like morally ambiguous so there's a lot of tough love from him but he was always a softy deep okay. down <laughs> and, and and that was your first tv crush i probably anytime like if i don't think about him for a while and anytime he comes up or he's like i see this in a show i'm just like <gasps> <sighs> There's just something about him, <laughs> but you're 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 talking
0: about it because of like an an early TV education into sexual attraction.
2: Yeah, I guess my education was more so just like handsome men and their general attitude, mm-hmm. and maybe what is my subconscious looking for in that? Because sex was kind of like I was a late bloomer and just like even understanding it like you have sex ed but it's like the nuances of what is sex and why is it can it be like emotional and something that's like spiritually fulfilling yeah so i guess on some level that is for me is like as early of an appreciation for sex as i can imagine as a handsome man (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a handsome sensitive
0: man yeah right yeah combination of masculinity and
2: who can make good decisions <laughs>
0: <laughs> that does sound pretty high, right <laughs> based on some of the <laughs> nut jobs that i've come in contact with um yeah good point i'm trying to think of who some of my first crushes were tv wise well this sounds terrible now.
2: Baywatch. Baywatch. That one I forgot about. Mm-hmm. David Hasselhoff.
0: Chips. I was way into... I
2: mean, we're different
0: ages, Right. So <laughs> Chips... I mean, talk about caring, but also authoritative. And
2: those cute little outfits riding motorcycles. Mm-hmm. They, those, those guys were hot. I'm imagining there was some mustache yes. action happening. Mm-hmm. Of course. Mid-80s california it's kind of like miami
0: vice ish is that miami vice was more realistic and trashy more cocaine (laughs) yeah well i mean it was definitely steeped in the in the history of of miami and and drug trade and and also cultural conflicts was
2: burt reynolds in that miami vice no he wasn't no it just seems like he'd be
0: it was don johnson that was his first breakout role and then i'm forgetting his partner's name they were sort of the ethnically mixed straight male power couple. I guess in that sense, it was kind of like Chips in that it was two partners who were working cases and stuff. Maybe that was also kind of hot,
2: like two guys. And the camaraderie, mm-hmm. very close. The always team working together. The team. <laughs> Late night right. stakeouts and. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they had a mutual <laughs> masturbation at some point.
0: <laughs> I wonder if the golden girls ever helped each other out.
2: <laughs> I will say yeah, David Hasselhoff. I can now that I can dig that up. That's definitely a You're, That show was just like it was all sex. Baywatch because
0: they were in the beach and wearing their when they're all just swimsuits. so fit, you
2: know. It's yes. like and
0: half naked. See, I'm of the age where David Hasselhoff was an early gay icon for me but because of Knight Rider. So, oh, you're Baywatch. I'm Night Rider. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Generational divides when it comes to early gay spank bank material. But I remember Baywatch, and and I never really thought a lot of those people were very sexy because they weren't really my type. Right. Like I don't really go for the clean cut, pretty boys who are like hairless and mm-hmm. and and chiseled. They seem un- unapproachable. Right And in a whole other reality. I mean, everybody in those shows was always freakishly beautiful, and that's the whole point, is that it was a fantasy. I watched Beverly Hills for the same... Beverly Hills 90210 Mm -hmm. for the same reason. I was like, oh, I wish I went to high school where everybody's so pretty. (laughs) And then we could go into the beach and hang out at the boardwalk. (laughs) 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 To me, growing up in Kansas, that was the most
2: oh Yeah,
0: it was so, talk about fame of the crop fantasy. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, what about his Catholic chaperone porn scenario? It was Catholic? Yeah, he was at a Catholic school.
2: Was it an all-boys school? Yes,
0: I I get the feeling it was. Maybe it was co-ed, but they're they're outing for their 8th grade graduation, they they went to a hotel room with the chaperone and he showed them straight porn. There's <laughs> so much to unpack there. Yeah, so this chaperone, I guess, was using the porn as a means of entertainment slash education. Who knows? Who knows what his motivation was? Anyway, it was awkward. One one thing that Mikey did say about the whole scenario, which I think I've heard this a lot through the interviews that I've uh, conducted, is that maybe his seeing the porn for the first time also was not only an education about what porn is in general, but he found himself to be looking at the men more than the women. That is a very common experience for gay men, especially when they realize that they're not actually looking at the thing they should be looking at. Right.
2: <laughs> like, what's what that dick do?
0: Right. And there there's a sort of an aha moment that happens for a lot of queer people when they realize that they're their circuitry is just not operating in the way that other people expect
2: it. Especially the way he described it is that it's mainly just penetration shots and big boobs. So that does really tell yourself quite a lot when all you get is a penis and you're wanting the rest of the you know body. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like, like okay, there's a penis, but... Mm-hmm. There's all these boys here around me. <laughs> I can smell it in the air. Something's right? changing. <laughs> yes, winter is coming. maybe a kind of <laughs> expectation something's coming. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but oh, to be in that room and not be able to like physically leisure yourself while you're watching porn and you're with uh, your your peers. it's just this weird stew of uh, of adolescent hormones. That I think I would I would probably have to have just gotten up and left the room. I probably wouldn't have been able to tolerate it. <laughs> I I this is a more long story, but when I was in uh, eighth grade, I went to boarding school for a year, and and my straight roommate wanted to jerk off together, not hot. not not touch each other, but just do it at the same time. Still hot and. It was it was supposed <laughs> to be hot but I freaked out so much I requested a single room because oh. at the time I was just like I can't I can't deal with this right now in my life I, c- I couldn't I couldn't I didn't know what to do so I decided to just like step away from the situation which is I guess why I'm I'm considering that like if I were in Mikey's position I probably would have just like run away <laughs> but Maybe there was a social expectation
2: that everybody just stay and watch the porn. And the chaperone was this, was somebody that also was at the school. He was, I guess, older. He was like
0: he he mentions it being a cool dad or the son of a somebody's so cool. The older brother, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, he was he wasn't old, but I maybe he thought that he would get some cool guy points by by showing these kids their first porn. You know, I guess there's a rite of passage um element to it.
2: I feel like I might have stayed. I don't yeah. know. My initial reaction is that probably the same way you feel, but also I don't know, there's this need to not be different. Mm-hmm. That's pretty oh, everyone else is staying. That's true. You're right.
0: It's a certain amount of peer pressure.
2: Yeah. Mhm.
0: That's a good point.
2: I probably would have stayed now that I think about it but I don't have any good stories like this. Like all these things that have happened to Mikey, I'm just like kind of jealous a little bit, even though I, maybe I, I mean, probably would have reacted adversely in some, of, most of these stories. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's one fun thing about
0: listening to other people's stories is that you can imagine what you would have done in a mm-hmm. similar
2: situation and maybe... Living vicariously for sure. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's... I don't even have a like let's jerk off together story, adolescent story. Oh, really?
0: No. But, you know, I, I feel like even people who think that they don't have fun stories, when you really... I probably do. <laughs> when you really dig and you ask them very specific things and you give them a chance to think about it and, and reflect, often we, we come up with a lot mm. more information than we think we have. That's why when I do interviews is I give people the list of questions before we meet so that there's a chance for them to reflect and to remember. Um, and, and I've thought about tons more since I gave myself the interview. Yeah, And I've been talking a lot with them with with co-hosts like yourself. So it's fun to sort of keep the conversation going and remembering things as they come to me. I black some things out. Yeah, I shove it way back. There. Of course, <laughs> I think I think that's natural too. <laughs> but but the older you get, the more gracious you are with yourself, mm-hmm. the more forgiving you are for the little embarrassments that we have along the way. So I, I like that part of of this project too is is being kind to ourselves and what we've learned. You mentioned that you wanted to talk about
2: Mikey's best move. I did like his best move. It's good. Why do you like it? Well, I'm kind of on the other side of the fence with that. I don't come very easily, so it takes me a, a long time or like a very specific situation. Mm. And the like sit on my face thing is definitely something that can do it for me. Yeah. Do you ever ask that of your partner? Yes. Okay. Okay. I try, I try to. Yeah, <laughs> I'm totally. getting better at asking. Yeah.
0: <laughs> right? I feel like that's a totally awesome thing when we know what could help us, you know, in the process of having sex. We can be specific with our partners and in articulating what it
2: is we need to power through. <laughs> I'm a big fan of just like everyone just clean out and like shower your body. And then I just want to be able to go anywhere in case that's where my dick is taking me and needs to go in order to reach a enlightenment for that experience. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. You want, you want everything to be on,
0: on the menu. Mm hmm. I do like Mikey's best move because it also, yeah, it's about advocating for yourself and what you need and also knowing what might work for your partner even if they're not articulate, maybe you you have something in your back pocket that you know would would help them kind of get into the right headspace right. cuz cuz sometimes we really can start to psych ourselves out, you know, and to know when your partner is is approaching that zone and to have something in your back pocket like, like Mikey's move is, is always a good thing. It was sweet. I liked... Yeah. <laughs> I liked hearing him say that. <laughs> but also, I like how he makes sure to say, oh, well, you know, if it turns out that they don't want to do that, then, you know, moving on. Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> even if you think it's going to help them, if they still don't like it, then it's not going to be a very fun experience for them. So, you, you know, have, you have to know when to say
2: when and to move on to the next idea (laughs) or if you're literally suffocating someone with your ass
0: yes i have to say like that's not my favorite position (laughs) for eating ass i understand that like for the for the bottom you know they're the one who's really like controlling the situation in terms of how exactly they sit on your face (laughs) you know and and whether or not they let you come up for air right that can be kind of little scary i tend to like to eat ass sitting behind somebody and just like they're on their hands and knees and yeah just letting just go into town spread the curtains that way your your air (laughs) passages are are open (laughs) it sounds so funny talking about this in a clinical way like i said i i like to be more in control when i'm eating someone out i can kind of go in and out and and do it on my own terms but I think that's just a preference thing. Also, I'm not a big fan of guys who want to put, like, shove their dick down your throat when you're laying down. Mm. Like, I have equal problems with that because <laughs> you're not in control of of the whole breathing apparatus. You know, like, mm-hmm. and their their pleasure starts to take over your breathing. <laughs> you know, like, as a priority. So that, to <laughs> me... Is a bit of a danger zone. I just don't think it's very fun. Like if you're if you're laying down, you don't have the chance to like pull your head back if you need to. You know what I'm saying? Oh, logistically,
2: right. like like they're on top of you. You're
0: they're on top of you. You're laying down, and they're they're just like jamming their dick down your throat. I'm like, that's hot for like maybe a few seconds. And but I yeah again, I prefer them to be on their back, and I can kind of control what I'm doing with
2: with the blowing mm-hmm. <laughs> we can do a good enough job you don't have to treat me like a, like a flashlight right yeah that's what it sort of comes
0: down to well thanks for coming and co-hosting and um looking forward to hearing your interview in a few episodes so oh god <laughs> don't worry we'll be kind it's a lot of blab. i think i blabbered a lot well, that's what interviews are about, Cool. blabbering. <laughs> Thank you for listening to us blabber, and um, we'll see you next time on Fruit Bowl. Thanks for listening to Fruit Bowl. If you like the podcast, tell your friends and take a moment to rate and review it on your podcast app. That really helps us spread the word. If you want to learn more about Fruit Bowl, visit com. Where you can find links to current episodes, as well as information about our interview process and links to our social media, including our new Patreon page. Patrons who pay a monthly subscription fee can access behind-the-scenes updates, participate in live chats, and access exclusive video clips. Once again, that's fruitbowlpodcast.com.
1: Fruit Bowl is proud to support the AMP AIDS Memorial Pathway in Seattle. A passionate group of volunteers and community leaders, including people living with HIV, people of color, and members of the LGBTQIA community have begun work on the AMP, set to open in 2020. The pathway will be located on the plaza near Seattle's Capitol Hill Light Rail Station and the north edge of Cal Anderson Park. The AMP is community-driven and collaboratively funded and will use public art to create a physical place for remembrance and reflection, utilize technology to share stories about the epidemic and the diverse community responses to the crisis, and provide a call to action to end HIV, AIDS, stigma, and discrimination. The AMP is currently seeking volunteers to help with promotion, collect stories, and fundraising efforts. For more information, visit theamp.org.
0: This has been a Fruit Bowl production. All rights reserved. Thanks for listening.